Yo, what up? Good morning. It's your girl, Kilowatt. I'm here with mi madre. Mi madre. My maja. Shona. I only say Shona when I'm mad at her. It's hysterical when I'm trying to catch her attention. And I, like, 150% feel free to humble my ass when I say that because I deserve to be humbled. <laughs> trying to get her attention because she's off on her random tangent of paranoia i'll be like shona <laughs> look at me and then it's like very traumatizing because it's like i have a level of intensity that's a bit much and she's loving on her favorite kitty anyway i woke up this morning because i didn't sleep last night and i i stayed up all night cleaning the downstairs She's talking to her cat, by the way. Um, and I woke up and I and I was like, oh, uh, I got to check when Thanksgiving is. Because I know that Braylon usually goes over to Brent's. It doesn't matter. Regardless, I was like, yo, when's Thanksgiving? So I pull up my fucking calendar and it's in three goddamn days. <laughs> and of course, my mother being my best friend, I'm like, oh, my God. Mom! Mom! Thanksgiving... Hey, fucker, get down from there. No. I'm sorry. You know you're not These cats, to we got four kitties, and they are obsessed with the mantle that I've done for Christmas because there's all these glistening, shiny balls and, like, foliage stuffed on top of the mantle above the fireplace, and they're obsessed with getting up there and trying to eat them and knock Santa Claus off the mount. Like, anyway... Yes. Yeah. It's just, a, it's a good time. Anyway, so I realized Thanksgiving is in three days and it had occurred to me when I, so I've been studying a little bit of the Quran and I was like, you know, just out of curiosity, what it said about the end times, like the day of judgment, because I I was raised not necessarily a Christian household, but most more of like an agnostic theist. So exercising the perspective of there being a God and source creator without there being like a name. I think because deep down I understood truly that Christianity didn't hit the mark. You know what I mean? Like I didn't fully agree with everything that I read in the Bible. I was like, okay, that doesn't sound right. And it didn't, it just didn't make sense, you know? And I was like, okay, like, love everybody, but don't love gay people, women have no rights type of shit. And it just didn't make sense to me. Like, and then when you research the origin of it, it was written by a bunch of fucking white dudes, you know. So I kind of felt like maybe I shouldn't go with where, because I'm native, I thought to myself, like, maybe I shouldn't immediately migrate to where a colonist <laughs> group of group of colonizers would write this book and tell us how to live. Maybe I should look for something deeper because I know that there was something real out there and I just didn't know where to find it. And because of all of the, they have like Islamophobia. Okay. So people automatically uh, equate people who are Muslim to being terrorists, which is fucked up because they're some of the coolest motherfuckers ever. They're so chill as my friend Umber would say she was she's so cute I love her podcast dude and so um I listen to her on the the 
podcast channel, uh, The Quietest Revolution. And she, like, mentioned about how Muslims were probably some of the chillest motherfuckers you've ever met. And she went on a whole tangent about maybe they were too fucking chill. You know, maybe they were too understanding. And this is how they've ended up here. But at the same time, this is all faded, you know. And as I was looking in to the end times and, and trying to understand what the judge, day of judgment would look like is approaching it. There's all these things that are coming into fruition. Like I saw in Romania last year in Romania, it was hailing rocks. It wasn't just hailing ice. It was hailing rocks like fucking stones. And that shit is in the Quran. It is in the it literally says it will rain rocks like and then it rained rocks and I was like like if you could put an emoji to my face it would be those little eyeballs <laughs> that are just like zeroed in <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. and then I'm looking at it and it was like time will move faster and I was like oh yeah and it also talks about uh how the people like there will be these people that are martyrs they call them martyrs and that it's about the end times and it, it's just it, the amount of detail that this they it's very clear instruction on how to live. It's very direct. It says this is how this is going to go. It's playing out just like that. And I'm thinking to myself, I should probably convert to being Muslim as soon as fucking possible because I'm about ready to get my mother and I a Quran. We're about to go get some books and, and start converting to Islam because, yeah, and so this is what we're doing. As people were sitting here watching a genocide take place. And I have a huge issue. So Braylon told me, like, this is this is one of the main reasons why I'd like to sell the house and move closer to her. Okay. Because there's a huge part of me that when this divorce took place, I recognized my daughter was going through more change than she needed to go through. And it was my... It was my fault to some extent. Obviously, it takes two to tango. But my addiction played a big role in the dissolving of our marriage. There were a lot of things that led up to that. And I was using that as a method to cope because I simply just couldn't handle it. When I realized what had happened to Jake, I think part of me lost my mind. And they say that. Like, if you figure out that something's happened to your child, like, you'll go insane. And I think I really did. Well, I think it's really, it's very difficult in that situation. You know, I've seen it. With, it's, I've, it I've seen, seen families it fall apart. But yeah. You see it everywhere. And I understand why. Because nobody nobody talks about what happens to you psychologically yeah. when, you, when you realize that somebody has raped your child. Yeah. What that does to you on a fucking... Yeah. whole nother level on a spiritual level it breaks you oh, yeah. and breaks when you that. try to seek justice and you're not seeing it and you keep pursuing it and you keep asking questions and they're like be patient we'll get in touch with you and every time you call them they say oh yeah we're looking into it and motherfuckers still walking around in texas that's right planning to move to the philippines and marry a woman that has a little boy of course so he can him. Yeah. And I reached out to her and she was more concerned with him sending her money for shoes. And I said, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. He raped my child. He will rape your son. And I think truthfully, I think she probably has no intention of bringing him into her home. I think she's just using him for money, which is fine yeah. because you got to do what you got to do. And that's the, what has happened to the Philippines in the Philippines is just a, it's a hof, it's it, awful. It's 
It's just another example of fucking colonization. And so all of those things attributed to my intense desire to numb the fuck out, to not feel. I just couldn't reach anything anymore. And I, and I was weak and I used that as a crutch and it completely destroyed my life. It did. And so I started from square one and I'm looking back. At least I made the right decisions. Even though I was compromised, I could see that my kid was going through, my daughter was going through an extreme level of change. Her dad and I split up, which we had been together forever. We had one of those relationships where we would break up and get back together. So for her, I could see that as being really traumatic and I feel terrible, you know, that that happened. There's a lot of things, like I've explained to her many times how apologetic I am about that and how she needs to understand that that was wrong. She should never have witnessed that. That was my fault, you know, because of the drinking and because of my inability to just stand for fucking something. Like, yo, you're not going to fucking walk all over me and get away with this and have me continue to take your ass back. I should have sent that motherfucker packing a while ago. I love Brent. I really do. I'm still in love with him and I still love him as a person. And I will say this 150%. I should have sent that motherfucker packing before we even got married because there was so much betrayal that happened prior to this moment. And I just dealt with it because I had been deceived and tricked into the concept of having the white picket fence, the house and the 2.5 children. Okay. This, this fucking American dream that everybody pushes in your face from the time that you're fucking born. And so I, thought, okay, well, like, I love him, and he's got this amazing family, and I have, you know, my mom, and it's just us, and then there's Jacob, and Jacob's dad was a piece of shit, and I was like, I need to make this happen. Like, I love him, and I need us to be a family. I need to have that stability and and that love. There's nothing wrong for for wanting that. No, but there is a big issue with the fact that you can't necessarily have that. If you have to compromise everything, it's not going to have a stable foundation. You have to have a boundary. Yeah. And I, because the resentment, the seed of resentment had already been planted and it just continued to fester, you know. And so it's like a wound that you haven't cleaned. You just have to keep taking the dressing off and and expelling whatever uh, damage is there and then redressing it. And it's just a constant tending to the need. And until you actually sit there and clear that shit out completely. Yeah. You're never going to heal. And so you're going to constantly be tending to this wound, which is what we were doing our entire marriage, which is one of the reasons why we had such a big issue with going to counseling and having to do all this bullshit and then toss on a kid and a custody battle and everything else that I just fell off the fucking wagon, man. You know, that's pretty, that's very common. Yeah. It's very common that women go through that when they go through that kind of shit and they realize the marriage isn't going to work. Well, no, and I just, you know, I found time and time again in my life that the the overall theme of me having to simply get up mm-hmm. after getting my ass kicked and handed to me through life, and honestly, every time, I kind of deserved it. You know, like, that's the worst part about this whole fucking awakening thing is that I just, every time I think I'm evolved and I'm woke and I'm this and I'm that, I turn around and I realize that I'm once again the asshole and it makes me angry because I also see that I'm wonderful, but I I could see where I played a role, you know? Well, we all do. We all play the role of 
of, of fucking shit up and well, trying to trying to say to themselves, oh, it's really not that bad. So when it is, <laughs> let's circle back to what I was talking about when it came down to me, at least being in a compromised state, evaluating the dissolving of our marriage and the timing of Kayla, a.k.a. K2, coming into our life, moving into our home, taking over our family while we're still married. Yeah. And my daughter is there. Yeah. So there's a lot of... Con- there was a lot of motherfucking change. The way that her dad and I were going back and forth, the constant instability of me. And honestly, it was it was bound to happen. You know, like... At some point, he was going to need to find a life raft, you know, somebody that could help him get out of that. Because I recognize I don't think we ever could have really broken apart. I think the the level of toxicity that we had been in for so long, I don't think I actually prayed to God to get me out of that because I didn't have the strength to leave him because I loved him and I still love him because he's a good person. Yeah. He's a wonderful dad. All the fucked up shit. I don't know why we kept stabbing each other. But regardless, I think that was just our path at the time. And now I'm grateful that we have the ability to co-parent and have the same priorities when it comes to our daughter. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that just because you grow, but you do grow up a little bit as time goes by. And you look at different things that you've done and you've realized certain aspects of yourself that led you into that kind of situation and you're not going there again. Yeah. So you learn something. Well, you learn as you go. I mean, obviously, if you're going to fuck up, you better take some gems. Yeah, you better. There are little pearls of wisdom. (laughs) I need some gems gems here, man. I'm fucking up. Yeah. But the reality of the situation is that we all kind of go through that. And it's a process, you know, and that means you have to own your own shit. The more you own your own shit, I think the easier it is. Yeah. I mean, even if you're even if you're having discussions with other people that you love dearly and you have arguments with and you all this kind of stuff, you can still work through that. You can still work through that. Yeah. And and but you know, if somebody else comes into the piece, you know, because it's easier to have somebody else that's telling you, Oh, it doesn't matter whatever you want, I'll give it to you. You know, they're willing to go with it. And that's exactly what she did because Mm -hmm. she was desperate. She was a waitress in Alaska. Oh, no. I mean, I wouldn't say that. I think that I, I really feel like the more that I know about her, which is not very much so that take everything I say with a grain of salt, is that from what I can tell, she had a pretty fucked up connection with her mother and then she was raised by her father who i can see is clearly like a misogynist from what i from what i've observed just off social media i'm like okay so she's got some internalized misogyny going on there and i'm like okay so you take somebody who's got internalized misogyny and you and you see brent's family which i had internalized misogyny when i met him i had this profound hatred of women inside of myself and i felt like we had to do this this and that in order to have worth Okay, I didn't fully understand my worth as a person. I think that's where she was coming from because she put so much emphasis on her physical attributes, which is fine. You know, I think it's really important that you take care of yourself. And I'm seeing that now that we're approaching the end days and I'm thinking to myself, well, I should probably start running because I'm going to have to sling my mother over my back and climb a mountain. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> like I need to get back into shape because honestly, like I got my go bag ready. Like I need to make sure that we have supplies and shit that I can, if we got to get in the fucking car and roll out, we got extra gas, we got medical supplies, we got antibiotics, like all that shit. Yeah. And so I'm thinking this to myself, like, because there, if it really does come down to j- day of judgment, then it won't matter what shit I have on me. But yeah. all things aside, I see the value yeah. of what this time period is that we're walking into. And I'm like, okay, I'm looking at everything from like, it's, you got to stay with me here because I'm going to go on five different tangents, but we're circling back to the K2 topic. So when she met Brent, she was up in Alaska. Her best friend was with Brent's best friend who I had a major falling out with. Yeah. Okay. Mind you, this motherfucker stood with the woman who called me a whore in front of a bunch of people at a wedding in front of my husband. And my husband's response was setting a glass of beer down and walking away. That was his response. Now, if that would that would be if you rewind back to my earlier podcast called The Line in the Sand, okay? It was where and I listen to my old podcasts and I cringe because I'm not the same person I was back then. Yeah, but you could you see the the fucking line. You could see the the fucking line in the sand. And the difference between Brent and I is that he's much more diplomatic than I am. Mm-hmm. I have an Aries moon, as does he. However, I also have Mars conjunct Pluto and, and Scorpio. Okay, so I will fucking burn your house down. <laughs> Heads will fucking roll. If you talk about my person like that, I'm going to fucking kill your dog. Like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I won't really kill a dog because I love dogs. But... I will fuck your shit up. Like, there will be no rest. You will not be able to fucking skip over what you just said about my person in front of me. Because they're not an extension of me, but I have love for them and I will protect them. And so when he told me what he did weeks later, after his response was putting a beer down and then ushering me out of the wedding. And, and I didn't understand why we were leaving. I was so upset and he didn't have the heart to tell me because he knew how much I loved Brandon. And then when Brandon decided to stand with Sherry over that whole matter, I lost a great deal of respect for Brandon. And I said, you know what? You, you call yourself my brother. You say you're my best friend but you're going to question why I would hug a woman and thank her for inviting me to her wedding. Thank you for believing in me and my husband because I was under the impression that that's what she had said. Brent, the, I would never in a million fucking years have gone to that wedding as his date if I knew that everybody there hated me. And he knew that. So he lied to me and he said, Sherry, no, no, Sherry wants you to come. Sherry wants you to come. Sherry knows that I'm bringing you. See, and he called her And he put her on speaker. And the way that the conversation played out was that he said, Sherry, I'm going to bring Kayla to the wedding. And she started laughing and she goes, I knew it. I didn't realize that she was being facetious. I didn't know that she was being petty. I didn't know that she was the queen of talking shit about me. And so when they invited me to the, when Brent invited me to their wedding, I had the impression that I had somebody on my side there because I was kind of skittish about going anyway because when Brett and I broke up I went and I got a boyfriend Mm -hmm. and and he couldn't take me having this this boyfriend uh it was too much for him and so he wanted me back so I broke up with David and I got back together with Brett and I was hesitant 
to go to this wedding because I, I considered all the weeks that had passed and all the awful views that these people may have had about me because I'm sure he was very hurt during that time frame. And so it was kind of a really fragile, delicate situation I was walking into. So I felt confident going to this wedding because he assured me that Sherry was on our side. And then as I gave her a hug, she gave me a weird look and I smiled. I said, thank you for inviting me. And I knew that you believed in us. You know, it means a great deal to me. And then I went to go get changed. And as I went to go get changed, she went up to Brent and accosted him at the wedding saying, how dare you, how dare you bring that whore to my wedding? You're plus one. And they would reference me as the plus one. That was the group of people that referenced me as a plus one. My husband went camping with these motherfuckers and went to barbecues with them after the fact. After all of this, he still kept connection. And every time he kept those connections, it broke a part of me up. It, it dissolved the love and it released the tie that I had to him. And I, and I recognized this is no longer going to work for me because loyalty above everything else, above everything else. I don't care if I don't fucking like you. If I have sworn my loyalty to you, you will always fucking have it. You'll always have it. If I tell you that I'm going to fucking be there for you, I know. Well, I don't, I don't know. I think so. I think so. I think so. I think he, I think he's very loyal, but it's a different level. And so, like I said, the difference between Brent and I and our response to that situation is if that were to have happened, heads would roll for me. His response, way more diplomatic, was to set the beer down. But the, the kicker for me was the follow-up. It was the following behaviors that, that reiterated to me that this is the same shit, different day, and I made a mistake breaking up with David. And then it just evolved. It, it evolved, you know. And as I was looking at all of that and how things dissolved, and I'm trying to fully connect like how we got onto this topic, uh, when I go back to the K2 topic, which is where I think it was, I realized that um, it was a setup from Brandon, my old best friend, Brent's best friend, and his girlfriend, Tess who's best friends with Kayla. So they set them up knowing that we were in a weird situation. I was, I had an apartment and I would stay at Brent's every night. It was, it was Brent's quote unquote, but it was our home. All my shit was there. I literally had nothing of mine at the apartment and we didn't use the apartment. I never went over there. You remember that. I was never there. I was always at Brent's. And so When I realized that I had cleaned the fucking house for this bitch to come stay with my husband. And then I realized that he lied to me about going to Salem for the weekend. And being in Alaska. And when I called him, I said, you got on a whole, you got on a whole ass, you got on a whole motherfucking plane and flew up to meet this bitch. And you lied to me and told me that you're in Salem working and he said we'll talk about this when I get home I said there's no fucking home to come back to yeah this is it man keep your bitch and I fucking hung up on him well good and at that very moment in time 
It was terrible. It was it was awful. And it was strange because I had a, a feeling that this was happening. Like I could sense it. There's always something in the gut. You can always feel it. And Lisa and I even joked about some bitch being named. We, we said her name's probably Vanessa, which ironic that Jake said the chick named Vanessa. But regardless, we were just like, it's probably some white bitch. Okay. And we were right. But she she was up in Alaska. She didn't have a lot going on. No. She was she like was a CNA. No, she was a CNA. It doesn't matter. The thing is, the, if quit being a shitty, don't contribute. This isn't about shit talking her. Okay, please. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be rude, but this is not what that's about. When I'm looking at the full picture, I realize like, she was only taught to believe that she's only as good as the person that she's with and the life that she creates with that person. She was raised to be codependent. Mm -hmm. That's what you could see. It's clear as fucking day. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at that, like all her own ambitions, everything else went out the fucking window as soon as she met Brent and it became all about him and getting him. Mm -hmm. And they had, he had told her all these secrets about him and I and our own personal shit. Mm -hmm. And she was able, he gave her the in. And I could see through looking through, I mean, and this isn't like necessarily something I really wanted to go into, but it, it needed to be addressed because I think it needed, there's clarifying that needed to be done. I could see in the timeline of how everything played out, how it happened, because there were always these like Snapchat notifications going off. And I realized, oh, okay, so he's talking to her on Snapchat. And then you could see, like, on Facebook posts, like, her Facebook posts and his Facebook posts where she would comment on his and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that at the time because I had blocked him because him and I were always – he had blocked me and we would always go back and forth into it. And I didn't take the time to look because I really – I think at that point I really did trust him. I thought we were just going through a hard time in our marriage and that we were going to get through this because – no matter what, we could never actually bring ourselves to get divorced. And so when they, that moment happened where he told me to go back to my apartment and I was like, why is he being like this? And then as I cleaned the fucking house for her to come stay for a week outside of my own knowledge, and then Braylon mentioned, oh yeah, that friend that is staying with dad, Brandon's friend that's staying with dad, her name's also Kayla. And I realized there is a woman named Kayla from Alaska staying in my house with my husband right fucking now. And I freaked out. I called Brent. I freaked the fuck out. He was like, oh, no, she. this is nothing. She's just a friend of Brandon. She, you, when she gets on that plane, you will never hear her fucking name again. And then fast forward four weeks and he's on a plane to Alaska to go see her. And that's when I called it quits. I said, you know what? Fine. Keep your bitch. I'm fucking out. Like, I'm fucking out. And I... It angered me, you know, because of the fact that I was literally being replaced by somebody who didn't even know herself. And in the midst of all of this, I have known myself time and time again because I've had to. I've had to pick myself up and find that strength inside of me to keep going because I didn't have it anymore. Yeah. And so that's something that happens with time. You know, if you go for somebody 10 years younger, of course they're going to be learning who they are. Like the whole process of it was just very hurtful. And so when I go back and I look at that, 
I look at the fact that Braylon was being introduced to this new woman who Brent said, oh, she's just going to stay with us for a little bit. She's just, we're helping her get back on her feet. And she moved, they told everybody in Alaska that she was moving to Idaho to pursue her nursing career in Idaho, conveniently the next day over. And for about two months, they navigated back and forth between Idaho and Oregon. And then they just said, fuck it, rip the Band-Aid off. So after that two-month buffer period, he moved her in with him. So now we've got me fucking heartbroken beyond measure. I was like so fucking, I was, I lost my mind there too. I saw my daughter and she was, she was observing all of this. She was going through all of this. Her brother had been losing his fucking mind. Okay. As a result of the childhood trauma and schizophrenia and bipolar, all of it, just flaring the fuck up. He went off the rails. And so you've got Jacob going off the rails. Mom's going off the rails. Dad's got a new bitch. And I'm here in the same house that I had my family in. And this is all that I know. I know my dog and my house. And I was not going to take her from that fucking house. I would never take her from her school or her friends in the midst of all that change. I wouldn't do it. But what bothers me about the situation is that it's so far away. If I want to see my daughter, I have to drive. Now, mind you, the whole situation played out because there's a new bitch involved and I'm cast out. Yeah. That's fucked up beyond measure. One. Two. Financially, I'm unstable because my sister, who, by the way, is now employing Kayla, promised me that she would be my roommate. In my apartment, okay, quote-unquote roommate, as in she wanted me to have a three-bedroom apartment so each one of the children could have a bedroom. She, she promised me, she said, Kayla, I have a bunch of disposable income. Please let me do this for you. Please get the three-bedroom and not the two-bedroom. I said, Grace, I cannot afford a three-bedroom. I cannot afford a three-bedroom. Please do not fucking skip town on me. Guess what happens as soon as COVID hits and as soon as her and Jake gets in a fucking fight, she skips town on rent, everything. So I go to court. I get the 12 grand forgiven for all the back rent. And then I, and then I bounce. Of course, there's a residual bill and I have to fucking figure that shit out. But she's turned around and told everybody else that I fucked her over somehow. And I'm like, okay, all that aside, that's fine. If that's what you're going to, the narrative you're going to go with, cool. But on top of that, this bitch that's fucked up my family has turned around and befriended my sister and pulled her close. And my sister was more than happy to oblige. And at that point, you're dead to me. That all that, like I will not, absolutely will never, ever forgive her for that. Because that was the one thing that she knew was so tender to my heart that I, that I confided in her in, that I fucking broke down over and lost my, I lost my fucking mind over that shit. Like, we were together since we were kids, and I raised this beautiful little boy with him, and we had a family, and, like, that's the betrayal. That was the the clincher, you know. And so I turn around, and I see that Braylon has got all this change going on, and I say, no, I won't do it. 
I will go through housing instability because, of course, I couldn't afford the fucking apartment. And now that my fucking credit's fucked up because of the apartment situation, now my housing is unstable. So now I'm bouncing back and forth while struggling with an addiction issue to alcoholism, okay? While trying to stay sober, I'm trying to keep my job. I'm trying to find a place to live. I'm trying to get back on my feet after everything had been taken from me. And I'm trying to keep myself going. And then I meet Sam, I mean, you, attra- you, are, you are going to attract what you have going on internally. And I had a lot of addiction issues and I had a lot of mental health issues and he was the perfect predator for that. And so then I went through that for a fucking year yeah. and I finally, really got, I finally like got the fuck out of there yeah. because I prayed to God. I prayed to Allah and I said... If you, if you please, if you, I, I was begging all my ancestors, every guide on the fucking planet, if you can get me out of this moment, if you can bring me back to my mother and my children, I will be the best fucking person you will ever know. I will, I will be the person that the world needs me to be. I will show up every fucking day and I will never touch a drop of liquor for the rest of my fucking life. And I won't. I made a deal with God, with Allah. And I said that and it has... He's come through every fucking time. Every fucking time I find myself in a situation where I cannot get through this. I don't know what to do. I pray and whatever power that be, Allah, God, what have you, source, always answers my call. Always. I've never been left. And that is where I continually go back to my faith. And and I feel very strong in that standpoint, you know, like... Everything in my life could be crumbling, but God, source, Allah, what have you, always responds every fucking time. And so I tell my daughter that. I tell Jacob that. I say, pray. If you feel lost, if you don't know what to do, pray. Ask for help. Seek guidance. Look to God for the answers because that's the only place on this fucking hell planet that we live in that you will find refuge, okay? And so as all that was going down and I'm looking for the housing to become stable and I leave Sam, I realize that you've got Alzheimer's. I realize, shit, man, I gotta fucking, I gotta get my shit together. My mom needs me. My kids need me. Like it's time. And I've been battling the concept of leaving you because you're so, you're my, I mean, you're everything, you know? And so I just can't imagine losing you and and compromising any time that I have with you for something like money, you know? So what bothers me, what I full circle, there was a goal to this, but I think a background was necessary in order to give you the perspective of which I'm operating with. All of those things in consideration of what I'm about to say, my daughter lives an hour away with her dad to go to school. Mm-hmm. I mean, 38 minutes, probably a little over half an hour. To go to school, I see her on the weekends for now, you know, until summer comes around and then she's with me all the time. But like, my issue is when it comes to molding my child, mm-hmm. I want to make a good person. I want my daughter to have her own opinion and to be educated in the matters of the world around her. 
I don't want somebody who doesn't know themselves, who's got internalized misogyny, to be forming her mind because her influence on her is going to be great and significant if I do not intervene at some point. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to take her from Brent at all. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is limiting the influence this woman has over my daughter is so essential for her well-being. It doesn't mean that she intentionally wants to put these toxic views, but they're just naturally toxic, okay? They are. Because when it comes down to something like a genocide taking place on our phones, this is the first time in history that you can see a genocide taking place real time in front of your fucking eyes, holding a television in your hand, observing the atrocities of war, observing children being bombed, their faces half blown off, pieces of children on the ground. This is something that we're seeing, though. I don't want to put Beamer or even Jake in a situation where they're observing that, you know. It's not necessarily that I don't want her to see that, but she needs to know about it. She needs to know about it. She She doesn't necessarily need to see that level of, of, uh, yeah, yeah, she doesn't need to see all the details. However, when I'm, I brought it up to Braylon, Braylon said that Kayla had told her, well, it doesn't matter what it's none of our business. It's none of our business what they're doing over there. Why are we paying attention to that? And that said so much to me because there's a level of privilege involved when you're able to just ignore the fact that your country, your tax dollars, that you've been working and they took your money and they're killing babies with it. There's a level of privilege involved when you get to stand back and say, oh, well, it's not my fucking problem. Bitch, yes, it is. It's all, it is all of our problems. It is our responsibility as taxpayers of the country that is funding this genocide to stand up and fucking say something. That is our debt. That is something that Allah will see. That's something that God will see, that source, creator, God, what have you. That energy sees that. And there is no room for complacency in the face of a genocide. You cannot, you cannot take that stance. And that's why I said to Braylon, I guess, Brett and Kayla got into it and had said something about um, they didn't want Braylon to be exposed to something like that. And that Kayla told Brent that she needed to take Braylon's phone away when she wanted to research more about it. Like, and I don't know the full details behind it, but I said to Braylon, I said, it's so important not to silence the voices of the people of Palestine right now. It, these people that are taking these videos and uploading them, they're putting targets on their back because the IDF does not want them to post these videos. They don't want, there's a reason why they're targeting the journalists. That's why they don't wear the fucking press jackets as much anymore because they're being targeted. Yeah, they're being shot. They've been labeled members of Hamas, quote unquote, paid staff, is what Netanyahu said. Yeah. And um, I said to Braylon, I said no. And I realized at that very moment that this was where I needed to start to intervene more because I am not going to allow 
this person who's connected. I won't, I don't say, I won't say responsible because it takes two to tango. There's a lot more factors involved. My own personal responsibility to the downfall of my marriage is very prevalent. Okay. So this person who has ties to the pain that I had felt is now attempting to influence my daughter's ability to observe this genocide taking place in real time. I'm not going to allow you to censor my kid like that. You don't get to just decide the world that we live in and say that's, that's reality and portray that to my kid. She needs to know the dangers around us. She needs to see and understand that that evil is real. Yeah, there's evil out there. It, it needs to be observed because it's out there and she needs to recognize it when she sees it taking place. Because I don't think it's just going to stay there. It's not just going to stay there. It's going to spread. They're going to go to Lebanon. They're going to go to Syria. They're going to go to Egypt. All of it. It is not just Israel or Palestine. It is going to spread. And there's a re like, they're fucking sending body bags, millions of body bags out across the country. Why? Before 9-11 happened, the army went on record and submitted a report saying that they were going to portray an attack on American soil as something that is uh, from an Arab country. They literally warned us in a report saying, your country is going to be attacked and it's going to be, Ill- it's going to be, Great. they're going to the say. Eight years of my life, whatever, some, you know, in the future. I'm going to now have to realize that chances are the country that I'm living in is going to have to deal with that. Well, why do you think I want to sell the house so we can get some money and get the fuck out of here? We're going to sell it as soon as we can. Yeah, okay. But we're not going to get shit. Okay. Words are powerful. I'm just telling you. No, I'm telling you words are powerful. So do powerful. not put that out there. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Right. There you go. Thank you. We don't put that out there. You also have to recognize the things that you watch on YouTube are all fear-based. They're clickbait, and they're trying to get you to be fearful. They're fear-mongering you to believe that the housing market's going to crash. That's fine. Why do you think I'm the house is up? We're putting the house for sale. So as soon as we fucking can, we're going to get that shit and bounce. We're going to be mobile because I do not think that we have a future here. I don't. I will go as far as to say that we'll have to stay in the United States, but I certainly don't see us being in the inner city. No, I don't either. Um, I understand But what I'm saying, circling back, so, or as what what Umber says, she goes, let's put a pin in that and we'll circle back. So she says that as a way to say, let's revisit the previous topic. So the body bags that that they're shipping out, I guess, Millions of body bags are being shipped across the country. Usually, they did that before, also in 2019. Or uh, when when was COVID? It was 2020, right? Yeah. 2020. So January of 2020, mm-hmm. they were shipping out millions of body bags across the country. Right. So they're gearing up for the next round of depopulation control or population control. They're depopulating. Yeah. Okay. So they're getting rid of millions of people. So they're going to need millions of body bags. That's what they did. That 
the whole thing is we're being run by a, a tyrannical government and the revolution is happening now. All these people that you see in the streets, everybody that you see online protesting, everybody that you see speaking out against this genocide, those are the motherfuckers that are going to show up when it's time. And it's important to recognize that the the minority is usually the oppressor. So we have the people to stand up and do what we have to do. But for now, I'm I'm trying to be smart about it and get as close as I can to my daughter and keep my kids close. Daisy, no. Daisy, down. These cats in the fucking mantle. Anyway, I just, this was a a random ass backstory into what's going on in the world and also how we got here. Just for me as a person and everything that I've been through and the full backstory of why I have so much. No. She's not getting up there. You've already clapped enough times, you know. Um, And if she does, I'll pull her down. It's fine. But I just wanted to give a backstory on it because I think that it's relevant. Like all of that being a part of who I am now and contributing to my story and who I am as a person Mm -hmm will influence the way that I parent my daughter. It'll influence the way that I navigate this fucking chaos that we're living through. And all I can do is pray. You know? As a side note, they're killing fucking cats. They're shooting fucking cats down in in Gaza right now. It's like, why you gotta shoot the cats, dude? That's just the, it's, it's the illustration of pure evil right there. The cats don't fucking do anything. They're not going to take anything from you. They're cats. They like killing things. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's, I think it's ironic that they keep that, saying that, that they're God's chosen and people. They're taking it out on cats or they're taking it on kids or whatever they choose to do. Yeah. Because they are so upset about what's going on with their government. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what's happened. I don't want that to happen here. <laughs> you know, I don't think it couldn't happen here either. Oh, it will. It will. Yeah. If we continue this, re- and that's the thing is that that's why it's so relevant. We have to let the children know what's going on because they're going to be the ones fighting the battles in the future. You cannot shield them from this evil. You have to let them know what's happening. Yeah. You know, they're, they're going to have to understand why society as we know it has fully collapsed and what led up to that they point. Yes. Well, they don't now, There's but as they grow, <laughs> that you, there are ways that you can clue children in and keep them in the in, yeah. in the know without having to traumatize them, you know. Um, it's fine. I don't know why I'm worrying. Um, Braylon's going to be going through her Uranus over the Ascendant on her 18th, so. <laughs> the, I'm just going to accept the fact that she's going to have these years of conformity and attempting to fit in and have the idealistic life, the American dream up until the age of 18. And then she'll suddenly have a grand awakening Mm -hmm. and rebel. And I'll be there for that. I will be here for that because I think that it's important that you have someone there to protect you when you're wiling out a little. So anyway, this has uh, been a good chat. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Jake, too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have, that's why I keep tabs on him, too. I had a dream about him last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I had a dream that he pulled up and... <sighs> yeah. That's another conversation for a different day. Yeah. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Sorry, it's been a tangent. I didn't mean to dive, deep dive into the dramas, but it was necessary to illustrate where everything, without having to go back and listen to every fucking podcast where I'm sobbing and losing my shit, like, it's important that you have some type of reference point because they do have a lot of new followers yeah. to the podcast and also to my socials, so... I will talk to you guys later. This has been lovely. Mother, would you like to say goodbye? Bye.